This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Stu, walk us through the show, if you would. Walk, walk us through the show. Okay, so uh, <laughs> net neutrality is a big issue. Uh, Barack Obama has been talking about it. In fact, he, uh, we, we were talking about it on the radio show, and I was telling Pat as we went to a commercial break, I was like, this is one of those days that I'm glad we have Pat and Stu, because Glenn was talking about net neutrality, and he brought up a lot of great points. But I also wanted to bring up a lot of better points and no, at least points that were at least kind of sort of on mm -hmm. the plane of them. Mm -hmm. And there just wasn't enough time. There wasn't enough time. And it is, I assume this is how Jeffy feels. There's never this, enough time in a day. Right. Jeffy wants to bring up a lot of stupid points or yep. uh, a lot of points about spoons. And he can't always get them in. Oh. Mm. Uh, well, but see, those of you listening today on Blaze mm -hmm. Radio will have already heard those comments on Blaze Radio because I'm filling in for Jay Severin. So, so you're going to beat us to the punch on Blaze Radio. Oh, yeah. So Jeffy made some really stupid uh, points on the last show you listened to uh, <laughs> as Jeffy filled in for Jason. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, How'd it go? They, they, How'd it go to the show? It was, it was, it was all right. Yeah, I got a couple What'd of you talk about, for instance? Yeah, I, you know what? I don't remember. It's been so long ago. <coughs> well, it was, it was just, just, the, just aired. It just the show. It's been so long ago. You just got over. How did, yeah, you, how did Jay's audience uh, react to you? <laughs> Oh, Jay's audience is great. Like what call? Yeah. What, do you remember some of the calls he took? What were yeah, they I got the uh, I got the the one guy from New England. It was mm -hmm. great. New, the, the region? Yeah. What part was, of the I, region? No, no, he just said New England. Huh. So you, you were to say that there was a call there that happened in this previous yeah, show. I remember that one? And then I remember <laughs> there was one from the south. Mm -hmm. Now okay. people will call. There will be somebody there who calls. Will go, hi, I'm Bill from New England. <laughs> 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 so listen to Jeffy today on Blaze Radio uh, from. Uh, Three to six Eastern? You uh, mean two, if you two, missed two, it, two, you to can, five? two to five Eastern? Sorry, if you missed it, you can actually me. listen to it on the podcast thing, right? Yeah, right. Um, so, uh, blaze.com slash radio is where you can find Same as here. Find the, uh, uh, the on-demand uh, segment of, uh, of Pat and Stew, of uh, Jeffy's show on the weekends. Mm -hmm. uh, all, there's a great um, one up there right now. Uh, Dan Andros, uh, one of our writers, uh, interviewed Ravi Zacharias and went through a lot of the arguments that atheists make. Um, and how do you answer them? Um, and it's a huge podcast uh, up there now. And he just said, I don't. I don't. And you know and what? I just it, ignore them. And then the podcast was over, but <clears throat> it's it worth was checking short. out. Give it a shot. We're checking it out. Short. It's, yeah. it's just a short <laughs> podcast. We did just give you the whole thing. Very, very concise. Uh, very, very, really interesting. <laughs> um, so uh, let's go on to um, uh, this net neutrality thing, because this is one let's, of the issues. I was just sitting here like, oh, it, it, this there's so much infuriates me. We actually ran out of time yesterday to talk about this on Patents Do. Right. Then we had a whole hour on it today, and we still couldn't get to all of it. It's... It's one of those weird issues. I don't think a lot of people understand it. Let's give you, let's give you the mm. primer here with Barack Obama giving his pitch for net neutrality with including the fake buffering uh, sign at the beginning of so it. So ridiculous. Hi, everybody. Ever since the Internet was created, it's been organized around basic principles of openness, fairness, and freedom. There are no gatekeepers deciding which sites you get to access. There are no toll roads on the information superhighway. This set of principles, 
the idea of net neutrality, has unleashed the power of the Internet and given innovators the chance to thrive. Abandoning these principles would threaten to end the Internet as we know it. That's why I'm laying out a plan to keep the Internet free and open. And that's why I'm urging the Federal Communications Commission to do everything they can to protect net neutrality for everyone. They should make it clear that whether you use a computer, phone, or tablet, Internet providers have a legal obligation not to block or limit your access to a website. Cable companies can't decide which online stores you can shop at or which streaming services you can use. And they can't let any company pay for priority over its competitors. To put these protections in place, I'm asking the FCC to reclassify Internet service under Title II of a law known as the Telecommunications Act. In plain English, I'm asking them to recognize that for most Americans, the Internet has become an essential part of everyday communication and everyday life. Uh, okay. In plain English, he's asking uh, the FCC to allow him to control the Internet now. That's, in plain English, that's what's going on. The government wants their fingers in this pie, and so they're asking the FCC to allow them to get their fingers in the pie. This is unbelievable because he goes through the litany of how great the Internet is. And why? So we don't have we don't have gatekeepers now. Mm -hmm. We don't have a toll road onto the internet. We don't have any of that stuff. So what's the problem? Yeah. Why are you doing it? Let, let's start with first of all, is what he's saying even true? Right. Uh, he's sitting here talking about the internet being great. Yeah. Because it's always been free. Yeah. Therefore, we need to make sure it remains free. You don't make sure something remains free by adding regulation to it. That is right. not what you do to, to make that happen. Right now, you have a situation where the vast, majority, like, the vast majority of people will go out and be able to go anywhere they want on the Internet. Why? Because of competition, because of the free market. The free market has changed the world. The Internet is the <laughs> ultimate example of what the free market would do. If you did what you have with the economy to, or to, the, to the Internet, to the economy, the same thing would happen. Because people would be able to do the things they wanted to do. The failure, you know, no one stepped in and bailed out those websites when they all failed during the dot com crash. No, no one what stepped happened? In. They, they all just failed. failed. They went yeah. away. Mm -hmm. It was over. People went to other sites. They learned other things. They went to other jobs. That is what happened. That's why you don't go to pets.com anymore. Right. It's gone. The, it's the gone. internet is the ultimate. You don't example. see the talking sock puppet anymore. Why? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Okay, that's because it's the gone. internet it has changed the world because it hasn't mm -hmm. been regulated. That is why all these situations, all these experiments, all these things, you have no idea what was going on. They didn't know where they were going. A social network, what the hell is that? No one, all that is because people had the freedom to do what they wanted. Right. Okay. So his point immediately is false because he's Jeffy's trying to fix something that's not broken. anymore. Jeffy's whorehouse.com, what happened to that? It's gone. No demand. But no I demand. Mean, it's gone. Plus, I'm looking at a sock, uh, sock puppet, puppet right now, as a matter of fact. I, what do you mean? There's, there's sock puppets on the Internet. Okay, no, not, okay, not Jeffy, the pets. You're missing the point here. God, yeah. this is frustrating. <laughs> I mean, having you on the air with us is so frustrating. <laughs> it's, it's so hard. Can we regulate that out? That I would yes, be for. That if we, we could regulate Jeffy out of existence, mm -hmm. I would be for that. Yes, because that's not going well. The Internet is. Right. And that's the thing. You know? So Jeffy's right. not. Secondarily, 
should the government be involved in something like this? No. The nuclear power industry is the example I gave on radio. <coughs> yes, we understand that there might be some regulation in the nuclear power industry. I would like there to be less regulation so that they can actually build freaking plants that we could use. But you want someone, you might want some, uh, you know. You want safeguards. Some, you want some safeguards. Why? Because the downside of that is a nuclear disaster, which, while not as bad as advertised, is pretty bad. And we don't want that happening. Mm. Okay? So you have them involved. Their downside here, these are the four things. No blocking. No throttling. So you might not be able to get on Netflix or get the, the speeds you want from Netflix. Increased transparency and no paid prioritization. Increased transparency of what? Of, of what? Yeah, that's, of just, what? that's, just, that's just the bull clap. We know exactly what they do with transparency. Jonathan Gruber explained it to us. They, use, they don't want transparency because they want you to believe things that aren't true. Yeah. That's, you know, long sail. The transparency is just a meaningless claim you throw into every bill, right? Yeah. We're going to be more transparent about the process. And uh, like we're going to, all of our uh, negotiations about this health care bill are going to be live on the Internet. You're no, gonna we're going to show them all to you. We're going to show them all to you. It's going to be transparent. transparent Anytime there's a, there's a meeting in, in the Senate, we're going we're to show that to you, too. Yeah. It's just a really? bull. It's like a bullcrap additive. It's like, you know, uh, saying everything is, you know, uh, it's like throwing out the word natural <laughs> half the time. Like these things, it, it's like some chemical some guy made in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a lab, and they call it natural. Well, humans made it. It's natural. Uh, you know, it was made by humans. It's like, it does, it's a word that doesn't mean anything anymore. Okay. Mm. Um, so that whole idea is ridiculous. The problem they're trying to solve is stupid, and they know it's stupid because as we advance, these things become more and more available. They act as if the only way you can get internet is from one provider, and that provider might say to Netflix, you know what, you need to pay more, Netflix. And Netflix will respond, well, I'm not paying more, so you will have less access to Netflix. Okay, that's their case. They say that, that uh, Comcast, to use an example, will say, I don't want Netflix. You, you have to pay more Netflix. Netflix will say no. Then the Comcast user will not be able to watch Netflix. First of all, the problem's not big enough for the government to step in. Uh, there's no evidence, really, of the problem occurring very often. Secondly, or thirdly, uh, the problem is solvable through technological advancements that have already occurred. I watched, uh, I, I, you know what, I, I wanted to listen to some of Glenn's show from last night because I only got to watch some of it on, on TV. So on my way in, on AT&T Wireless, the, the company that's constantly uh, beat up for their lack of coverage, I streamed the Glenn Beck program on the Blaze app in my pocket so that I could hear it because uh, I wanted to hear what he said. No, you didn't. HD video happen. on my phone. That didn't happen. Yeah. And why? It can't. It, it, it because, didn't happen. And you'll say, well, what if AT&T also decides to throttle <laughs> Netflix? They're going to be a company that can provide Internet through the air to almost everyone in the country that is going to say, you know what? You know, it's a great thing we should do. We just advertise ourselves as we don't throttle Netflix. Yeah. And then everyone's going to come freaking sign up for us. It's, it's called competition. Competition solves these problems over and over and over again. And it's, it's not to the advantage of a, a Comcast to throttle Netflix either because Netflix has 25 million uh, members. Right. And they're going to get pissed. They're going to get pissed and they're going to go somewhere doing that, else. They'll go somewhere else. And, and that's Even if nobody else is saying, hey, we're not going to throttle Netflix, they're going to find somebody who's not throttling net Netflix or mm -hmm. just go to somebody else hoping they're not doing that. It's a dumb move. Yeah, and, of course. You and, know, and so, it wouldn't take long for Comcast, if they're doing that, and I don't think they are, to stop doing it. And it's also to deny technological improvements. Mm -hmm. Because if you admit to yourself mm -hmm. that in two years... 
wireless internet is going to be so, you know, and I'm talking about like 3G, 4G and the improvements. As that goes on, it's going to get so much faster. The internet we have today will be a joke to cell phones in five years. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the home internet you have today will be a joke to cell phones in five years. So you have to grab on as soon as possible if you're the government to get control of this because it will be so easily available to people that there will be no reason to regulate it. You, if one company throttles down, you say, screw you, I'm going to another company. That's an easy transition, and we're at the point basically now where you can stream video uh, pretty easily uh, and, and do it in high quality. The last part of this, is, which is probably the hardest, um, uh, the hardest hurdle for people to get over, is let's just say this scenario happens. You're in a place where you can only get one provider. That provider says they're going to throttle Netflix and other, and other websites. You can't go anywhere else. The, the 3G, the 4G isn't fast enough. There is no way for you to access Netflix. So what? It is not your right to get Netflix through a third party. That is not your right. You do not have the right to go to Netflix and stream Breaking Bad through the wires that Verizon laid because you really want it. That is not your freaking right. It is not your right. It is their property that they laid the wires for. They can do with them whatever the hell they want. If they want to give access only to Yahoo.com, that is their right. If they want to give access only to Jeffy's Whorehouse.net, that is their right. They can do whatever they want. You can also go to a different company, but they do not have to provide this to you. And, and, and to use trying to use a real-world example of this, if we were in the middle of a you know a the middle of the country. And there's one road going through the middle of the country, and it goes around my big private farm. Giant thousands and thousands of acres I own. And one day I say, you know what? I'm going to lay a new road that cuts this corner for everybody. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to charge people to cross it. It's my property. I'm going to charge people to cross it. And then people start coming to cross it, and I charge $2 for people to cross it. And after a while, I realize that some people are bringing giant trucks through that are using up more of the space, that are using, that are, in fact, there's one company that's driving through trucks all the time, and they are the ones, they're using up all the traffic. And you know what, I, you know, it's causing uh, issues, and you know what, I'm going to charge them a little bit more. How, and then the government steps in and says, you know what, you can't charge that shipping company more. You have to charge everyone the same to cross your private property. That's insanity. It's their stuff. They built it. It's their network. They get to do what they want to do with it. And, and that is the hardest thing, I think, because, you know, again, people don't think constitutionally. They don't think about individual rights. They think, what's best for me right now? That's mm-hmm. how the majority of the people seem to think these days. But when you, you break it down to just individual rights, what right does the government have to tell Verizon that they can't charge Netflix $20 trillion a gigabyte? Who cares? We're not talking about a, a service here where, uh, you know, it's, you know, uh, that that the, the end user is, is involved in, in fact, uh, other than just requesting it. And, and what they're requesting when the data comes through and all the data is being is coming from Netflix uh, that is on the Verizon network. Verizon should be able to go to Netflix and say, you know what? Sorry, guys. Like, you're, you, you know, you're the one using all the bandwidth. People are taking all. Forget it. I'm sorry. We're charging you a little bit more.
And if you don't want to be on the network, then we won't put you on the network. We'll block access to it. And what will happen when you block access to it? People will go to another network. Here's what Ted Cruz tweeted out about this. It's infuriating. Net neutrality is Obamacare for the Internet. I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know. Ted Cruz has a way uh, with putting things really simply and helping people understand what the issue is. The Internet should not operate at the speed of government. No truer words have ever been spoken. Ted Cru- again, Ted Cruz for president, please. And by the way, the Internet, for, all, for the few people who are out there going, whoa, the government invented the Internet. No, it didn't. No, it did not. No, it did That's not. That's a fallacy. That That's a lie. True. Even the military didn't. No. Even the military didn't invent no. the internet. A guy invented it, and the military hired him partially yeah. because he came up with the idea. That's and right. then w- they started developing it while he was hired by the military. Yes. But a guy invented it, and part of the reason he was hired in the first place was because he came up with and that, it. And that guy furthered it, I think, during his time yes. at the military. But that's different than but the government. But that's a little invented. different. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now here's five major ways. This is according to ABC News. Five major ways the internet could change. They're saying without net neutrality. Now, what it could the the, yeah, the important could. word in there could. is could. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, monkeys could fly out my butt if we don't have this regulation too against monkeys, flying monkeys in particular. It's very possible. But I doubt it will happen. Oh, okay. I really doubt it will. It yeah, hasn't well, happened so far. Shouldn't we have new regulation to make sure it doesn't happen? No, no. Uh, because that's not the way this republic should work. We shouldn't have to do preemptive law on absolutely every contingency. <laughs> These guys never understand preemptive Jeez, anything. Man. They never didn't understand preemptive. Uh, they would certainly would understand a preemptive war. No, but they certainly do understand preemptive regulation on everything. And they're doing a preemptive war on the internet right now, mm-hmm. trying to preempt anything that could happen on the internet. So they say downgraded service is one of the things that could happen. Service. Services that consumers use without paying a special fee to Internet service providers, ISPs, will not work as well because they will be excluded from ISPs fast lane. How on earth can you argue that these companies can't do that? Yeah. First of all, they're not doing it in almost every case. But secondly, how can you possibly argue that they shouldn't be able to do that? They they should be able to do that if they want to. Freaking service. Then they're saying high costs, higher costs. Another short-term consequence is that services offered by an ISP that now have a fee could be could be more expensive. Well, yes, yeah. over time they will be more expensive. Possibly. That's going to happen either way. No, but, but I mean, uh, possibly. What, what happens with the what happens with every other market? You have fierce competition and prices eventually go down. Look at airline That's prices. True. Look at car prices. Yeah. These are all uh, over time when you factor in inflation, uh, decreased in prices. This, this is what happens with comp- competition and, and free markets. Number three reason: less innovation. What? what? You're telling me the government what? is going to step in and put new regulations on, and that's going and that's to gonna increase help. innovation? That is absurd. Though innovation of late heavily involves the Internet and web-enabled devices, yes, Weinberg said he fears that losing net neutrality will lead to fewer new innovative services in the long term. Doesn't even explain how or why. No. He just fears it. He fears it. And if this guy fears it, we better have a new Well, then we better do it. Yeah. Uneven service, faster service for some. Uh, operating under the assumption that paid partnerships between ISPs and content providers will equal faster internet and better consumer experience, the custom, the consumers and content providers in these examples would likely be losers. But uh, they have no idea. This is they I don't mean, know. And it can, it's all speculation. Who cares? Yeah. Well, you're talking about like let's just say you say his well, it's a public. Everyone needs to get on the internet. All right. 
Let's just say that's true for a second. Bank of America, you got to do your banking on the internet. They will come up with a site that it loads quicker if they don't have these access problems. If they have these access problems with certain providers, uh, that will all happen. What won't happen are high. What could, in th again, in theory, not happen are high data. You have, a, you have a situation where a gigantic amount of data, like Netflix, is coming down the pike. G online gaming is another example. And this is why you go after the young vote with these things. Because they like online gaming. They like uh, uh, watching uh, streaming video. And so they think they should have it. Well, that's not a reason they believe to pass it's a, right a law. Now. Yeah, they believe it's a right, really but do. it's not a right. And somebody has to step up and say, hey, it's not a freaking right. You don't get to go, you don't go online gaming on someone else's service for free all the time. That's not the way that works. And the fifth thing they say could potentially happen is greater technological divide by income and demographic. Well, of uh, course, there's always been a technological uh, divide by income. Yeah. That, that has happened since the beginning of time. You don't get the, the, the biggest TVs are in the biggest houses for a reason, because there's a technological divide based on income. But that's, Stu, not, that's not something to worry about. There's more at stake than Netflix. Other content providers oh. that provide educational opportunities oh. or patient health communication will be unable to share their content. Yeah. What, what are you crap? talking it's, about? This that. is all... I mean, this is this is a worse list than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's actually. I, I really thought bad. they might actually have one legitimate reason. They don't. Yeah, they I, don't have a single legitimate reason to be pushing this forward. I read probably a really fifteen thousand word article on uh, on net neutrality. Um, this is about I don't know a couple months ago, and it was the it was a conservative, it was a Republican, cons you know, leaning conservative type of person making their argument for net neutrality. He worked in the internet field, and it was a it was as good of an argument as you could possibly make for net neutrality. And what was it? And it was, you know, based on the way it works, it's different than, uh, than other products. It's, um, it's a monopoly. It could be a monopoly. And Republicans have always fought monopolies. Look at, you know, Roosevelt and How blah, blah, blah. How can it be a monopoly? It's not a monopoly. It's not a monopoly. Exactly. But so... when you exclude things like wireless, there are some people in some cities who only have one option of a provider. Like, I can only get, uh, you know, so it depends on where you live. Some places literally can only get... Um, you know, Time Warner. And then so mm -hmm. they can do whatever they want and you're screwed. First of all, you're screwed out of what? Second of all, it's not true. There's wireless, uh, you know, uh, ways to get the internet. There's also uh, DISH. You can get the internet through DISH. Yeah. Now, it's not going to necessarily be for streaming video, but if you do certainly all the basic things you need to do through DISH, there will always be somebody out there saying, hey, by the way, we never throttle a site. There's, we will never do that to you because it's going to win the day for them. There's always going to be somebody who does that. Um, and so you go through the, the process. And, you know, look, there are some points in there where you say, well, it is a little bit different in this way. And I can understand what he's saying here. But at the end of the article, and maybe I'll, 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 I'll dig it up and tweet it out uh, at World of Stew, at Pat and Stew. Read it. As a conservative, read it and tell me that you agree with it. You can go down this road. You actually think there should be regulation on this because of this. Because I got to the end of it and I said, you know what? I could see uh, he's very smart guy, making the best possible arguments, but no way, no way. It's just not. It, it's it's a, a justification to get you in the door of regulation of the internet. And what yep. they will do is they will pass net neutrality, and then net neutrality after it's passed, Comcast 
and Time Warner and every other company will go to them and say, you know what, this should be in there. Can you sneak this part in here? Let's reform it in two years to make it do this and this and this and this. Remember, things like Social Security and, and Medicare, Medicare were only supposed to, or Social Security in particular, were supposed to be insurance for widows whose, people, whose husbands lived, uh, or, or who lived long past their husband's deaths. Right. This was it was supposed to, it was called Social Security insurance. It was n not supposed to be used by most people. But after over a long period of time, that changes and slowly evolves until everybody gets more and more and more and more and more. And all of a sudden they're controlling everything again. It's what happened with all the other ways uh, that you can get your information and news and entertainment today. And it will happen with the Internet. They need a, 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 a foot in the door before speeds get so good. And so available with so much competition that they can no longer justify it. This is one of the last pegs in Obama's uh, goal of uh, the transformation of America. This is the fundamental transformation and one of the final important pieces. He's doing this and he's going to try to do the executive action on immigration. And then he's got, he's got his fundamental transformation. And, well, and to add on one more thing, a bunch of executive actions on climate coming as well. Well, that too. Yeah, yeah that too. 888-727-BECK. More Pat and Stu coming. And because he's a lame duck, he doesn't care. He doesn't care anymore. He's not up for re-election. He's going to do what he wants. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that, America. I'm a bit fired up today. Pat and Stu. I apologize. Yeah, Stu, I, I, I'm not, I'm a little sketchy okay. on your thoughts on net neutrality. I'm thinking you are for it. You want it, right? You like it. <laughs> no, I you think it's a pretty good idea so that things, so that we can continue to receive Netflix unimpinged. <laughs> no. <laughs> really? I, no. I didn't I'm, get the, did you get the impression that he was I'm against not net for neutrality. it? I, I, was I, I wasn't sure. Sketchy on it, yeah. I didn't want to I, step over any line. Huh. Right, you just you just were really not. <laughs> no, we weren't getting it from you. Uh, huh. There's a certain je ne sais quoi not coming from. Yeah, you. I know. I'm a little fired. I'm fired up about everything today. I am too. Today. Yeah, it's one of those I'm days. Too. I think it's because we've been too, been too nice lately. Um, you know, we've been talking about like it's never a good idea. To be too nice. Glenn's health and Glenn's got these great things coming with American Dream Labs. Mm -hmm. And you know, every once in a while, I need to scream about Obamacare. I, I, it's, mm -hmm. it's part of me. Well, that's, do it. that's kind of what Schultz was doing when he was talking about Glenn last night. He was talking about Obamacare. And mm -hmm. look at this beautiful tie-in right here. Uh, it's, it's just genius. It's, it's indicative of the genius that is uh, Ed. The brand. The brand, Schultz. And it goes a little something like this. Like what? No, seriously, like this. There was another well, thing like uh, that you said about the Tea Party in 2013. Okay, and I'm not sure you've heard it before. Where you said, you said the Tea Party is the same group like as Ed has gotten a deep, dark tan he has not had before. thought he was, he used to be a pasty white guy, but he went out and, and he... i got to tell you, that's the best looking Ed. <laughs> <I> bet, well, <laughs> Ed far, does far, look far better looking Ed right yeah. there. Ed Schultz. I think we have it now. Let's see, Ed Schultz last night. Glenn Beck found help because he could afford it. Yeah. Someone without insurance point, would not have the resources to see any doctors at all. Good point, Ed. Now, listening to Beck, can you imagine 
what that would be like. Another good point. Good the Affordable Care Act, which the Republicans hate. Thank you for bringing it up. Give Ed. the American people an unprecedented opportunity for care. Good point. Ed. But Beck telling this story, I mm -hmm. think, is powerful because it brings us right to the crossroads where this country sits right now. Good point, Ed. How do you say no to your next door neighbor because they have a pre-existing condition, maybe like the one Glenn Beck has? Good question, Ed. How do you vote yeah. to take away insurance where you couldn't go see any doctor to get a first, second, or third analysis of what you're going through? Another good question, Ed. I don't know Beck. I have no desire to know him. I've had my battles with him over the years. No big deal. It's media mudslinging, whatever. Uh, no. But I'm it's curious about his motivation for sharing this illness mm. with his viewers and the people that basically are followers and worshipers of what the guy says and does. I hope what? that his story motivates what? What those saying, who think that Obamacare is bad, that maybe that they will rethink the situation, that seeing a doctor and having it covered is paramount. <clears throat> To a good life. To a chance at a good life. What a giant stack of crap that guy is. What a despicable piece of trash. Yeah. What are you implying there, Ed? This is worse than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it was, uh, <laughs> I didn't go that far on the, on the uh, clip for, uh, that we played for radio. and Because uh, I can't take it. And then this is why. Well, I mean, and, you know, he's first, a despicable human being. First of all, uh, you know, the most basic point, I suppose, is that the, the place he was talking about that fixed this Private. isn't covered by insurance, is not no. covered by Obamacare. And it's, not, so, a, it's yeah. not covered by Obamacare, Ed, you dumbass. So right off the bat, oh, I mean, your point is completely invalid. What a buffoon. And what it, an absolute buffoon. To be fair, uh, Ed Schultz, all of his points start where they're invalid. So well, this yes. is not a difference from his other program, and we should no. act as if it's inconsistent. That would be unfair to Ed. Um, <sighs> so it's, it's obviously a, a gigantic, pathetic mess. The situation, of course, he's oh. trying to drag Glenn's health, uh, health into this yes. debate. Which that is Glenn has pathetic. access to health care because he could afford insurance, and other people who are now getting insurance, maybe they can now afford that care too. No, no. This changes nothing. Obamacare changed Nothing yeah, on it, that path. The amazing thing is one of the main arguments made by people who are free market uh, advocates uh, of, of health care reform is that um, certain treatments that seem experimental will not get covered by government who will come in and say, well, that, that one won't work. You can't get covered for that, mm. which is the, the exact thing that happened with the place he's talking about. Uh, the yes. government health care doesn't cover it. The VA doesn't cover it. People like Marcus Luttrell had to get private funding to go and, and, right. and, and go there and, and actually be treated and, and cured. Um, it's one of the, uh, one of the I, I hate to say this because it's such an incredibly dramatic statement, but it's one of the worst points he's ever made. Yeah, it, it's I actually mean, that's hard to believe, but it, yes, you're right. When the comparisons are so far down the idiotic road with Ed Schultz. And what a buffoon to, to try to, a guy who's been mm -hmm. sick for five years and especially sick the last year and a half or two. Uh, to wonder, I wonder, I wonder about his motivation. What, what are you alleging there? What are you suspecting the motivation is? I'll bet you it's the motivation we heard from from the other ma major media outlet in that he's trying to promote Carrick because they're a sponsor, which they're not. They're not a sponsor of the show. In fact, Glenn is kind of their sponsor. He's helping fund them so that they can treat vets who can't afford to go there. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just despicable from start to finish on this absolute buffoon. 
but it's 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 exactly it's typical of MSNBC and what all of those guys do over there. It's yeah. just really uh, pathetic. Really, really terrible job. And I will say that the vast this was I don't think I I can remember a story that was covered as closely as Glenn's health announcement, which you know he had given to the audience in pieces over the years, but I guess he put it together and gave a little bit more detail, and it's the biggest story in the universe right now. Um, you know, and I I don't most people though I think covered it fairly. I think most people said, look, this is what's happening to Glenn. Uh, you know, you know. Here's the details. Uh, you know, I, Ed Schultz can't resist. He, he can't. No. He can't help himself. To, I mean, he's incapable. When when of... your job is to constantly make yourself look like an ass, it's hard to reverse that, even on a moment when someone else is suffering. But Ed was able to do it. And you, I mean, I guess that's how you hold a job at MSNBC. You're able to do that consistently over a long period of time without stopping. And so mm -hmm. uh, that, that's from uh, that point of view. Congratulations, congratulations, Ed Schultz, a Douche Hall of Fame member. Great job, Ed. Triple A727 back. More patents do coming up. Mm. Let's get into this other Obamacare thing that drove me crazy yesterday. I... You, um, it's Pat and Stu. If you missed any of uh, the Glenn Beck program on TV last night, uh, they, we debuted something that's going to be really cool. And it's so cool, in fact, that even the Huffington Post called it reminiscent of Pixar. And, I mean, from them, that's pretty high praise, I would say. It's called History House, and uh, Glenn debuted a little piece of what's coming. Thank <laughs> you. 
love is a powerful thing. It conquers all. Welcome to the History House. This is the house that time forgot, but it hasn't forgotten time. Throughout all of the rooms, upstairs, downstairs, through the bowels of the house, are the greatest stories ever told. And it all centers right here, main heart of the house, the library. On its shelves are the greatest stories ever. The only problem is, with all of these great stories, where do you start? Johnny Appleseed, welcome. Well, <laughs> I prefer good news Johnny. So, this is the uh, history house, huh? Yeah, might fancy. <laughs> Coming from a guy who's wearing flower sacks as pants. <laughs> the question is, where do we start? You know, I reckon it's always best to, to start at the beginning. Later on on Pat and Stu, the uh, little teaser to uh, to Tesla and Edison, which is uh, also pretty cool from uh, last night's show with Glenn. Triple eight seven two seven back eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. This network is kind of exploding with some really great stuff, with some things on the way, some things we already have going on, like for the record, which is you know sixty minutes quality or sixty minutes quality from the from like when sixty minutes was good. 60 minutes sucks. Now, nobody's afraid of 60 minutes anymore. It's like, oh, okay, Mr. Obama, tell me. Uh, in your uh, administration, what is the one thing that's excited you the most, pleased you the most, disappointed you the most, and enchanted you the most? I mean, that's the kind of stuff 60 minutes does now. You seemed like you were a little upset over that. Was that because Congress didn't act the way you wanted them to? Tell me about those Republicans. How much what do you hate them? What do you do when Republicans act in the, in the, against the best interests In the worst the possible people? way, right. When right. they're trying mm -hmm. to hurt the average person, how do you deal with that? <laughs> Let me really put you on the spot right now, uh, Mr. Obama, if I could. What's your favorite Jonas brother? And I, I, by the way, Nick is out. Pick another one. Okay? Yeah, there you go. Now try to figure that one out. Yeah, you're struggling on that one, aren't you, Mr. President? That's right. Nick has a solo project now, doesn't he? 
I saw that on iTunes the other day. Big picture of Nick Jonas. I thought, did the Jonas Brothers broke up? No, my gosh. No. What, what's the world coming to when the, when the Jonas Brothers break up? up? Brother. They're a family. You can't break up with the brother. How do you break up a family like that? That's wrong. It's just wrong. Nick, come back home. Now, is that what the For the Record Tonight is about? It's the about Jonas the Jonas Brothers. Brothers. Uh, here's a little peek at the Jonas Brothers breakup from For the Record Tonight. Oh, After the like fall that. of the Soviet Union, oh. uh, there was probably less than 100% positive control over all sorts of weapons, for everything from small arms up to uh, more scary weapons such as biological and chemical. Stephen Bucci is a former assistant to Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld, where he specialized in domestic counterterrorism. Bucci says there were concerns that bioweapons were falling into the hands of terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda. And the chemical side, it was uh, probably things like nerve gas. They were really looking for something that would be the, the terrorist home run. They recognized that from a chemical weapon standpoint, you really needed something horrific. Nerve gas is about as horrific as it gets. With a growing concern over the notion that chemical and biological weapons were unaccounted for and could potentially fall into the hands of terrorists, the Department of Defense wanted to test the nation's readiness for such an emergency. In June 2001, the DOD conducted a war game called Operation Dark Winter. Uh, Dark Winter was a, a major exercise that was uh, done prior to 9-11, earlier in 2001, to look at the effects of a biological terror event. And it was kind of a scary scenario. It, uh, it, we would lose a lot of people in, if a really effective bioterror event occurred. The simulation evaluated the government's ability to respond and communicate with the public. And the exercise even included mock news reports. Since the diagnosis of 20 smallpox cases in Oklahoma City 12 days ago, hundreds have now died, thousands have become infected. We had to you know, think about things like uh, you know, quarantines and martial law, you know, and things like that. Uh, all of a sudden, our system wasn't our system anymore because we had this terrible thing going on and we had to change. We had to you know, change the way we thought about things. We had to change the way the military interrelated with the, uh, the civilian world. And it was really an eye-opener. And the conclusion were tens of millions of deaths, no commerce between states, no airplane flying for six months, and war between Oklahoma and Texas. Well, we win that war. I mean, I'm not worried about that. Don't try that, Oklahoma. Oh, don't, don't even start with us, Oklahoma. We kick your butt within 15, 20 minutes. Uh, seriously, we overwhelm you. Uh, but <laughs> is that really the takeaway from that, from that little segment? That's a frightening segment. That's pretty scary. The stuff we don't know about... I mean, from 2001, they're doing Operation Dark Winter, where they're testing out what happens in America if there's any sort of uh, chemical warfare and uh, biological agent it released on the public and how tens of millions die and then martial laws declare. Well, you know all that stuff would happen. Of course it would. It would have to, right? I mean, t you don't even have to talk about anything else other than tens of millions. That changes everything. Man, it changes uh, everything. There'd be no America way for, collapses at that point. There's no way for a society to deal with yeah, something no. like that. I mean, I, not anymore. Yeah, I mean, you could try all the martial law you want. I mean, tens of millions died in in you know the, with the flu epidemic in in Europe. Yeah, but uh, but it was a different time. And plus, did it? 
do well? I mean, you know, did society survive that, really? I mean, yes, in some form, but not the same form, and not to mention economies collapsed and, mm-hmm. and chaos reigned for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's the sort of thing that could happen um, with, a, with a biological attack. Uh, and they're going to go through all of that. Dark winter is something that we, I know Glenn has talked about in the past. It, it's been around, but, you know, this is the sort of stuff Glenn likes. Uh, you go in there and you look at, okay, let's, let's, let's paint our bottom line. Let's take the worst-case scenario. Let's, uh, let's go down the road and say, all right, here we are. This is the worst thing that can happen. How would we fight it? And then from there, hey, things look like good news. You know, yeah. you kind of set yeah. the baseline, and then you can kind of work from there. Right. But if you don't work to prevent this stuff, something like this could happen. And uh, it, it obviously could. Uh, and we had a little scare of our own with the Ebola thing where, what, three or four people in, in the U.S. got it. And there was panic then. Yeah. Three or four. Try three or four thousand. Try three hundred thousand. I mean, what, what do you have then when you're into uh, when you're into that many people? It, it causes a panic that uh, we've never we can't even imagine at this point. Triple eight seven two seven Beck eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. Also, uh, later on today, we're going to be treated to the dictator of the week, which uh, I believe this week is. Uh, it's a guy from Ecuador. The guy from Ecuador is he? Uh, is he truly he, is nasty? It, it's sort of arguable if he's uh, if he fits the dictator of the week. But luckily, I make the segment, so I get to put whoever I want in that category. Right. Um, and so I put him in. He's a bit of a nut job. Um, he, uh, Ecuador's leader is a nut job? He was. That he's not anymore. Me. He didn't last very long. Oh, he's gone? Uh, did we lose we, him? We did lose him. We lost him. Uh, on, no. Not the sort of leader you'd want uh, running your country, but a hell of a musician. <laughs> was he? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to see some of his uh, music <laughs> I can't wait coming to... up. He was releasing really? CDs while in office. It's great. Uh, You're going to love it. Big hits? Yeah, oh, huge hits. Songs you'll know. This Songs you will know. We will, we will know some Ecuadorian hits. No, that's another guy. Another dictator of the week. These guys like to be rock stars for some reason. They all convince themselves they're very talented when they are not. Well, who doesn't want to be a rock star? Mm-hmm. You know? B-E-C-K. It's Pat and Stu. We're a little fired up today. There's a lot of things that are pissing us off. <laughs> First of all, we had the net neutrality thing, which really got Stu worked up. I've been worked up about that for about three years, ever since we started talking about it yeah. with, the, free with the free press. We didn't even get into that part of it. Uh, we haven't. We, you know, because free press doesn't seem to be leading this. It seems to be Obama now. They've got him mm-hmm. pushing this forward. Um, but it was free press, which is a Marxist organization, who started this whole ball rolling down the hill was it five years ago? It's been a while. We've been talking about net neutrality for a while. It's at least four years. Mm-hmm. It's a long time ago. And we should get into that aspect again because, um, boy, there's, there's nobody who wants uh, more freedom of speech than Marxists. You can learn uh, all know that. a lot about a movement uh, by can. figuring out where it started. Uh, we've ACLU, talked about this, for instance. Planned Parenthood. Uh, Planned there's, Parenthood. there's a lot of examples where <laughs> yep. we've gone down that road, and it doesn't always say, ex- I mean, early 20th century progressivism. The thing that started Glenn mm-hmm. on progressives was Hillary Clinton saying she would believe she was an early 20th century progressive. 
Um, and so, well, what is He that? wanted to find out what that meant. And that's when you start. You go back and you look and you realize where these things started. That doesn't mean that Hillary Clinton <laughs> believes in everything that early 20th century progressives believed, but it does give you a foundation of belief. <laughs> it, it gets you, it lets you know where they're coming from. Yeah. And uh, we found that net neutrality is a great example of that. Yes. And maybe we'll go into that a little bit more tomorrow. So we were hacked off about that. Then uh, Ed, giant piece of crap, Schultz got us fired up over his uh, mm -hmm. innuendo about what, what was up with Glenn making the announcement uh, of his health thing, which is uh, just despicable piece of crap. And now this Charlie Rangel thing really hacks me off, too. Uh, watch what Charlie Rangel had to say yesterday on HuffPost Live. There was another thing uh, that you said about the Tea Party in 2013, and I'm not sure you've heard this before, where you said, you said the Tea Party, it's the same group we face in the South with those white crackers and the dogs and police. So people say, all right, maybe the observation is right, but when you start saying <laughs> no, cracker, people yeah, feel no, uncomfortable. Guy. I thought that was a term of endearment, you know. Oh! And <laughs> you thought crack oh. was a term of endearment? It, you lied. Sack of all the things they believe in. But I Come tell on, you Tea that, Party. Yes, yeah. I can tell you this. With all of the feelings I have against these people that have been uh, against justice, oh. fair play, equality, and, and the freedoms as mm. we know it. I'll just throw that out there. If I offended them by calling them a white cracker... For that, I apologize. For the rest of it, there's a lot that has to be done here. And I, I never, with the names I've been called, I never really put Cracker in that category. It's an interesting perspective. Um, perhaps if you gave one piece of evidence uh, to any of the other things you said, right. people wouldn't focus on Cracker. Right. Uh, but you just say them as if they're true when they are not. None and of what he said about what the Tea Party is true. I thought cracker was a term of endearment. Really? What if I said... I thought that being a piece of freaking garbage was a term of endearment, Johnny. Why would you take offense to that? Would you believe that? No. No. I'll know. If you said the N-word was... I, I thought that was a term of endearment. By the way, that one is mostly And by the way, it is used that way yeah. by black people. And by some white people, as we found in, uh, in recent news stories, uh, apparently. But, I mean, it's one of those things that I would say the vast majority of the time, uh, it is not used in a racial context anymore. It is yeah, used by right. uh, black people to other black people in, in, in a way of terms of endearment. We learned about that stat the other day, that 500,000 times a day the word is used on Twitter uh, as much. 500,000 times As much a as day. dude and bro combined. Right. So, no, yeah, that's just a lie. And you I never mean, cracker? thought it was a term of endearment. No, of course not. And uh, the white, you, don't ever, you never see white people walking around saying, hey, yo, my cracker. No. Uh, that doesn't happen. The other one does. Yeah. At least 500,000 times a day on Twitter. And who knows how many times in spoken word. I mean, millions? Mm -hmm. Millions. Billions oh, of times? Probably. Uh, all day, every day. <laughs> what but, up, my cracker? Yeah, what up, my cracker? Never. Yo, Those cracker. words have been spoken here for the first time ever. Cracker, what up? <laughs> it is, it's not, uh, no. That's it rolls not, a little bit, though. I will it say that's not bad. I it think does. I'm going to start like using it. I am, too. But we haven't up until this point. And just so Charlie knows, we are allowed to say it. You're, <laughs> right, not. you're not. Thank you. You're okay. not. Thank we right. can say it to each other. That's it's right. It's not okay for you. I don't even no. want you to say the first name of the Cracker Barrel. You just call it the That's barrel, right. okay? I, 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 I the C-word barrel. Yeah, yeah. C-word is what I would prefer. <laughs> yes. uh.
Now, there is another C word there, but that one's fine to say. Say that as much yeah, as you that's want. Fine. Let's yeah. go with uh, C word now meaning cracker, because we are offended. <laughs> All right. What up, my cracker, on this, uh, on this uh, whole, you know, healthcare thing? Uh, well, I think this is interesting. I was, um, I made the mistake of clicking on a Yahoo news story yesterday. Oh, no. Uh, which why would you was telling me why Obamacare was about to unravel. Seems like something you want to click up. Uh, yeah. click on. Yeah. And they had some information there that was interesting. But I, I find it fascinating about how these things are, how these stories are told. This is why you have people who don't know the truth about the news. This is why you have people voting in ways that you find inexplicable. Here's the Yahoo News story. It's about uh, the case that's going to the Supreme Court, King versus Bur Burwell. And this is a story we've talked about many times. It mm. revolves around... The, the, subs, the way the, uh, the Obamacare law is written, which states plain language that uh, you can send uh, subsidies, tax credits, to people to buy health care, uh, but only if there's a state exchange set up. It says it specifically. Uh, so most states, I think it's 34 states in total, uh, set up, uh, use the federal exchange, the Obamacare website. You know, 16 states set it up the other way. So the point is you're only allowed to get the free cash if you set up a state uh, exchange. The reason they did that is because they wanted to make sure people did it through the states and they didn't have to deal with it federally. They wanted to incentivize the states to do it. So they said, well, look, they might not like Obamacare. They might not like big programs. But the bottom line is their people are going to be spending these tax dollars um, to support Obamacare. And they're not going to get any of them back unless they set up the state exchange. So that way we will force them to set up the state exchange and it'll work great. Everyone will do it because they're not going to want to turn down all that money. Well, most states wound up, because of the unpopularity of the program, turning down that money and staying mm -hmm. away from it. So the, the case was brought to say, wait a minute, you can't give any of these tax dollars to these states that are using the federal exchange. You can't do it. It's against the law as written. So they go through about a five-minute video about, uh, about this, uh, th these laws. Let me give you a couple clips from it. Uh, this is from Yahoo News. Uh, I saw it yesterday that the, the subsidies that help people buy insurance are only available in states where, where the exchange has been established by the state. And that's the key word. That's the right. State, the key right? word is state. Now, 34 states have not established their own exchange. They're using the federal exchange. Uh, as far as we can tell, that's what the uh, legislators who wrote the law, that's what they intended. That, that's why they put the federal exchange in there in case states didn't do it. However, the law says the exchange has to be run by the state. The people who wrote this bill... Now, but wrote this law, Listen. used the term exchanges set up by the states, even right. if they meant it would be either be an exchange, even if they meant a state or a federal exchange, but because these states haven't recognized it or right. don't, haven't created their own, the people there are now relying on federal subsidies, yeah. <clears throat> the Supreme Court might rule that it's all invalid. Yes, and in fact, the committee chair people who uh, wrote the law said uh, we, we absolutely intended for there to be federal exchanges mm. as a backup to the states. What's important to remember politically about this is if you're a state and you don't set up an exchange, that means your citizens don't get their tax credits. But your citizens still pay the taxes that support this bill. So you're essentially saying to your citizens you're going to pay all the taxes to help all the other states in the country. I hope that that's a blatant enough political reality that states will get their act together and realize there are billions of dollars at stake here in setting up these exchanges and that they'll do it. But, you know, once again, the politics can get ugly around this. Now, I didn't know these were together, but this is, this is the point I was making, which is you see the Yahoo News mm -hmm. clip. They flippantly mention, well, and they, they did say that they meant to, uh, to, to, for the federal exchange to be there. They, want, they, they thought it was going to be a backup. Over and over again, they use, it's a technicality. This is a technicality in the law. And the last part of that clip was never mentioned. What you saw there, which is Jonathan Gruber, 
one of the architects of Obamacare, specifically laying out in detail that the reason they did this, the absolute reason they put it so only the states would get the subsidies is because they wanted to force the states to set up the exchanges. They didn't want to do it federally. They wanted to strong-arm the states into, into doing it. So you have that Yahoo News broadcast, which over and over again, that's just a couple of examples you saw there, where they were saying things like, uh, well, this is uh, technicality. Uh, the people who wrote the law said that they meant it to be. This is just them fighting over the language in the bill. It's a, it's a typo. Remember that whole thing. Well, they never even mentioned the Gruber video. So a person who doesn't listen to talk radio, is just going on the Internet, looking to Yahoo News, which is, you know, do you think of them as a biased news source? It's Yahoo. We don't think of them as biased. It's not like you're going into Huffington Post or you're going to MSNBC. You're going to Yahoo News. And they report that story as if the video you saw at the end had never occurred. And not only did it occur once, he said the exact same thing in a separate occasion, laying out the same set of consequences for states that did not set up the state exchanges. This is exactly what they meant to do with the law. They meant to strong-arm states into doing it themselves. They didn't want to do it themselves. They wanted to strong-arm them to do it on their own. They didn't like the fact that it was going to be tied to them. They didn't like that. They, did, they were trying to avoid that responsibility, and they did it, decided to put a, a, a giant stick in there. You know, a, a stick versus carrot. They decided to put a big stick in there to 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 uh, to punish the states into doing this. Well, they all said no. Thirty-four out of the fifty said ah, no, thank you. So now they're retroactively coming to you and saying, well, uh, actually, what we meant was we did want it in both. We just didn't write it that way. Well, I'm sorry. First of all, that's the way it's written. A. So what you meant isn't as important as what you wrote. And then B, before this lawsuit came up, you admitted over and over again that is, is exactly what you meant. You meant what you wrote. And now you're trying to come back on that. Uh, you know, and it's frustrating. I was watching this video and think, picturing the average person who goes to Yahoo for their email and sees this video and clicks on it and watches mm -hmm. a five-minute explanation where this evidence of one of the architects of the law is never even mentioned, let alone played. They have it. They have both ways on everything. They have it both ways on climate change. They have it both ways on every aspect of of Obamacare. It is a tax. It's not a tax. State ex exchanges, federal exchanges. They have it both ways on absolutely everything. So how, how how can they possibly lose, except for the fact that the American people is are, are starting starting to realize that they're trying to have it both ways on on absolutely everything. This is, you know, we get so worked up about it. This is one of the reasons why we're going in the new direction that we're going that, that Glenn's been laying out lately. Um, it's one of the reasons we're doing things like History House. It, it's one of the reasons we're doing something like uh, what you're about to see, Tesla and Edison. Um, Glenn showed a little clip of this uh, last night, and uh, if you missed it, here's what it here's what it's going to look like. Tesla had moments of madness, or so they say. Moments to where he could hear the ticking of a watch from another room. He could hear a train miles away. As I started doing my homework and research on um, Edison and Tesla, I really didn't think I would find what I did. But what I found was absolutely the most incredible story of American history. The most incredible story 
of the late 1800s and early 1900s, and a story of a man who has been maligned and wronged through history. They say the winners write history. Yes, but maybe it's time for a few losers to correct that history. Tesla is remembered as a mad scientist, one of the original mad scientists. This is an old Superman、um, movie from 1942. Tesla's still alive in 1942. Tesla versus Superman. Tesla versus Superman. What did Tesla ever do? Tesla is the guy who gave us the electrical outlet. All of the generators that are in the hydroelectric dams, the Hoover Dam, Niagara Falls—that's all Tesla. That's not Edison. That's Tesla who gave us the power to light this room, to run your computer. He was way ahead of his time. How did he become a villain? Well, you have to introduce what everybody thinks is one of the greatest men to ever live. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison started out as a dark child, I think. One of the stories that struck us right off the bat about Edison, as we wanted to get to know him, was a story that we still can't figure out. But he had gone swimming out in the canal with a young friend of his, and his young friend drowned. And Thomas Edison stood there and watched his friend. Bob underneath the water, choke, scream for help, and he watched him until he no longer came to the surface, studying him. Then he picked up his stuff and went home. Is this the sign of a child not being able to process, or is this the sign of some? Deep psychosis. Let me give you an example. William Kemmler was the first really awful murderer that came to attention around the turn of the century. He was known as an alcoholic and would easily fly into a rage. One day, he came home to his girlfriend and their children, and something set him off. He went outside and he grabbed a hatchet, and he came in to teach her a lesson. He took that hatchet and hacked into her head, over and over, with the children screaming and the blood splattering. When he finally stopped for some unknown reason, he walked out the door. He said, "They'll surely hang me for this." Well, they would have hung him, but the court case went on for a while. Not about whether or not he did it, whether or not he should die, but how he should die. Because I have to introduce you to somebody else, Dr. Southwick.、Mm-hmm. Dr. Southwick, he was a、um, a guy who wanted a more humane way to kill people. He thought hanging people was wrong, and so he had written several letters to the inventor of the day, the man of the day, Thomas Edison. He said, "You've got to come up with a better way." Kill people. Well, Thomas Edison wasn't in the death business, or so you would think, and he wasn't interested. He kept passing it by until this upstart, Nikolai Tesla, and Mr. Westinghouse, caused him too many problems. He was 
worried that Tesla and his new generation system was actually going to take off. Edison was for DC power, which would have put a power plant about every mile away down the street. And he says, oh, wait a minute. If I can just make people believe that what comes out of that outlet with AC power is deadly, no one will want it. And that's what he decides to do. He, he hires Harold Brown. Harold Brown is a pen salesman, the Edison electric pen. But he has a dark side, just as Edison. Edison convinces him to go take animals and electrocute them in front of people and show how horrible electrocution really is. When that doesn't work, he picks up that letter from that dentist and says, I'm going to suggest that we use this new fangled AC power to kill criminals because surely any electricity that goes into an electric chair, nobody would want in their home. So he and his cronies testify over and over and over again that the electric chair is perfectly the humane way to kill people because it kills people so rapidly, so fast, that the person who's being electrocuted won't feel any pain and surely death will come that fast. Well, Edison, because he's the respected man of the day, he wins his fight. And unfortunately, people don't die quickly with AC power. When they strapped Hemmler down to the chair, all the press was in the room and they knew he would bear it as a good soldier. At one point when they strapped him in, he knew that it would cause his body to jerk. He called for the warden. He said, warden, just one more word, please. The warden came over, put his face right here as Kemmler whispered into his ear, warden, you're going to have to strap my arms down much tighter than this. They all walked back and threw the switch. The body tightened up. They turned the switch off. The dentist jumped up. It's a success! A humane way! And that's when Kemmler moved again and groaned. Dear God, he's alive. Quick, throw the switch again. This time, things went horribly wrong. Kemmler was cooked all of the men and women that were in the room with him began to vomit and cry out. It was a horrific scene. They turned the juice off. It received scant little attention after the first few headlines, and Edison was never asked. Just as he was never asked about that little friend of his, and what was going through his mind as his friend's head bobbed one last time underneath the water. Who was the mad scientist? Was it Tesla or was it Edison? American Dream Labs is about to present an entirely new look at Nikolai Tesla.
going to play that. Triple eight seven two seven back. There's a uh, there's a new I, I don't know some campus campus group went out on the on the campus of Texas Tech. I mean you know it's Lubbock, Texas. For the love of heaven, mm. asked all these college students, some of them majoring in psych or physics or you know some sort of mathematics or science. Uh, none of them. Well, one of them answered, uh, "Who won the civil civil war?" Most of them didn't even know there was a civil war or when it happened. Some of them had some details, like maybe like uh, the Confederates. Uh, no, no, they were in uh, it though. Was that the the West won that one, right? The, the, the which war? Uh, the, which war was it? The one in 1965? No, that's the civil rights movement, not the civil war. Is it any surprise though that they were oh. not? That's what they're told all the time. You know, they're talking about the civil rights movement all the time, and I not guess. about the actual fight for freedom. Okay, but how I mean, about like, this that's one? That's to, to, to downplay, but it's like in comparison, getting out of slavery is much more significant than what even happened during Martin yeah. Luther King. Yeah. I and mean, that is, you know, that's like the difference between, uh, you know, uh, gay rights at some point in our recent history versus what's going on in the Middle East. Like, there's a huge uh, level of, uh, you know, uh, significance there. There's a, there's a chasm there. There's a chasm. It's a chasm still. And the, the next question was, who's the current vice president? None of them can answer that. But they know Snooky and what show she was from, so that's great. Yeah, we're in good hands. Uh, uh, rest incredible. easy tonight. Incredible. Rest easy. You'll sleep like a baby. We actually uh, have something coming up on Wonderful World of Stew this this weekend, um, which is another one where we went out and we asked people. What was it? I think it was how much? We all know global warming is real, right? Mm -hmm. well, how much has it warmed? Well, how much? Eighty-five degrees. Eighty-five. Let me. I'll give you a preview. You've undercut some of your guesses. <laughs> Have I really? I swear to you. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I it's, can't wait to that's see that. That's how stupid you oh, are, Pat. Why don't we have the preview of that? Why don't we have the preview? We got another dumb preview of one of your dumb shows. Why don't we have the preview of that? It's <laughs> not exactly the way to talk me into it. Wasn't it wasn't a good sell, was it? No. Mom Cracker, you are right. <laughs> right? Why don't we? Yeah. Right, my Cracker? Uh, yeah, maybe we'll do All that right. uh, before the end of the week. Because okay. it's, uh, it's worth be it. good. You know? Yes. Amazing. Uh, meantime, we have this uh, 2004 documentary. I... I uh, the Empire of Dreams, story of Star Wars uh, trilogy, hmm. uh, and we find the real voice of Darth Vader on the set. That's kind of fun. Here's uh, here's from the uh, 2004 documentary Empire of Dreams. Finding the right voice for Darth Vader was another challenge. And action! Lucas had never intended to use the on-set vocal performance of David Prowse. Start tearing this ship apart piece by piece until you find those tapes. <laughs> Find the passengers of this vessel. I want them alive. Yeah, I can still hear worked. David Prowse's accent in the Darth Vader mask muffled because he would do the real dialogue. He's trying to curse Carrie Fisher or something. Thank you. I know what you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic... You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away. It was hilarious and terrifying at the same time because we didn't know what Darth sound like. That was the first time we heard him. We're like, is that it? Is it going to be some Scottish guy, or what is this? <laughs> Prowse's voice would later be replaced with a more menacing performance. Provided by classically trained stage and film actor, James Earl Jones. Yes. Yeah. What a surprise. And then you get... Luke, I am your father. I mean, that movie doesn't do anything if that guy's voice is... Oh, no kidding. If that, that guy's... Oh, my gosh. Seriously, like that, if that guy's voice is used, no offense to the guy, it's true. But, but like it's not Does a, nothing. It's, it's not a, it's not a huge. Hit it's not the movie. same. Yeah. It's just not the same. I mean, of course, we're looking at it in retrospect, so maybe it would have been 
I don't think you so. Know, I don't think it would have been J- taken as seriously. Yeah. Uh, James Earl like Jones probably deserved a good billion oh dollars for that role. <laughs> my God. A good see that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, also, in kind of a related, remember the the girl walking down the street, and now there's been a hundred takes on this, yeah. but the girl walking down the street who's a feminist, and she walked ten hours on the streets of Manhattan, and she got catcalled the whole time. One hundred catcalls, blah, blah, blah. And, and mostly it was, yeah. hey, you look really nice today. Hey, smile. Hi, honey. God bless you. <laughs> it's so, it's so not re- a cat call. So, somebody has tried the ultimate experience walking around the streets of Manhattan uh, as Princess Leia. <laughs> and here's what happened. <laughs> Ten hours of Princess Leia walking through Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, somebody said, ooh, ooh, teeny. To her. What have we here? Hello, what have size to you? Hey, your worship, I'm only trying to help. I'm Skywalker, I'm here to rescue you. You want the name, don't you? Wrong movie! Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you truly belong here with us, Mother Class. <laughs> There's a story, like a stormtrooper or Boba Fett walking by her silently for four minutes now. Now for twelve parsecs. <laughs> that's, that's funny. It's really funny. I, I like the that's fact that really this, good. that video is really just turned into a mockery. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's, it's so great. It, it was such a bad point and poorly executed. <laughs> there, they did. There are other people now trying to do the same thing. There was some yeah. woman who went around Hollywood Boulevard, um, acting drunk, and she's like, oh, "I'm drunk and I need to find a way home." She's you know, decent looking girl. And and supposedly the theory of the video is that all the guys just basically try to bring them home and have sex with her. Um, they're always like, hey, why don't you come home with me? Instead? Like, she's like, can you help me find the bus? Oh, why don't you come home with me instead? It's like that type of thing. I didn't watch the whole thing because mm-hmm. her acting is so bad. It's so distracting. Really? She's just like, I am drunk. And I can't find my way home. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's so bad. bad. It's just bad. Uh, and also, I'm sorry, you can't take a social experiment on Hollywood Boulevard. It's the most insane place on earth. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you walk around there, it's just all either uh, crazy people or tourists. It's the, mm-hmm. <laughs> we were there. We did, a, we did a, a little thing there, I don't know, months ago now. Yeah. And we were walking around there, and you, it's a show. This is why, and this is why Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, use, he's right on that, he's right there where this video would be happening. And, uh, you know, it's a great place to find craziness. Well, because, anyway, I mean, uh, Princess Leia is walking the streets of New York and all these other movie characters are showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, that's the streets of New York. I mean, every time you walk around and there's, oh yeah, there's a guy that thinks he's that. Uh, yeah, that actually true. could be, it could, could actually not be set up. Times Square. <laughs> Yoda, someone in a Yoda costume actually might be I mean, yes. women. In, in, could well yeah. be. 888-727-BECK, more patents too coming up. It's a good point about the original video too, is that, you know, walking around New York, like, you walk around Dallas, I bet that doesn't happen nearly no. as much. Yeah. You know, uh, even the stuff that was harmless. Somebody there. might say, though. Judge me by my size, do you? Yes. <laughs> yes. As well. 
to be considered for our esteemed Dictator of the Week segment. A person must meet stringent requirements. Number one, a person must be certifiably insane. Number two, a person must have a lengthy, documented history of blatant misuse of authority. Number three, the person must be a dictator. Now, as the de facto dictator of Dictator of the Week, these requirements are not negotiable, except, of course, you know, this time. Dictator Abdallah Bukharam. Mm. Although Abdallah Bukharam wasn't technically the dictator of Ecuador, he was just as crazy and scandalous as any other dictator could be. Plus, he had a Hitler stash, which automatically counts towards your dictator points. Bukharam was president of Ecuador from August 10th, 1996, all the way to February 6, 1997. It took the people of Ecuador six full months to realize the terrible mistake of giving Bukharam control over anything. But then again, they should have known better. Bukharam's official nickname was El Loco. Almost immediately after being elected, El Loco was accused of embezzling millions of dollars of public funds. Bukharam needed a major distraction from his growing list of scandals in public office, so he did what any normal elected official would do. He released his own rock and roll music CD, mm -hmm. titled A Crazy Man Who Loves. Because nothing screams favorable optics like releasing your own rock album when you should be running a country. A Crazy Man Who Loves features such classics as El Velero. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's walking. That's his butt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know that rock and roll CD was a fair classification for that particular piece. But he also had his rock and rendition of Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> you got he's saying there. Oh, Jailhouse Rock. Uh, who needs the lyrics to Jailhouse Rock? Bukaram also thought it would be a good distraction to honor fellow Ecuadorian Lorena Bobbitt with a luncheon at the National Palace. If you don't remember Lorena Bobbitt, she's famous because she cut off her husband's genitals. She was later found not guilty by reason of insanity. Bukaram wanted to meet Bobbitt because, and I quote, you are a person who knows how to defend her principles and values. Your presence in the world has meant a lot for freedom of women. He also told Bobbitt, you look a lot prettier than you do on television, and gave her a special copy, of course, of his CD. I have a theory that Bukharam's meeting with Bobbitt was a very crafty publicity stunt for his low-cost housing program called One Single Stroke. Now, that's not really, you know... The best name, that is actually what he called it, uh, one single stroke. It sounds kind of more like foreplay or a serious medical condition than a welfare project, but that's probably a minor part of his legacy. In February of 1997, the people of Ecuador were done, finally, with Bukharam's crazy antics and total lack of leadership. Endless strikes and demonstrations were held in the streets, calling for Bukharam's impeachment. Of course, 
He dismissed these demonstrations as a conspiracy against him by three former presidents of Ecuador, saying, I have to distinguish between the real demands of the people and attempts at conspiracy by a few former presidents who were guilty of leading the country to the crisis it is now experiencing. That line of thinking kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like he inherited a mess from the last guy or something like that. But I digress. The public, it wasn't buying Bukharam's conspiracy theory, and when he was eventually impeached on the grounds of mental disability. Despite being disgracefully disposed of, Bukharam is still very much active on Twitter. To keep up with Bukharam's latest shenanigans, you can follow him at Abdallah Bukharam, where he likes to comment on Jennifer Lopez's butt. Roughly translated here, Bukharam says Jennifer Lopez is too thin and she doesn't look as attractive. Essentially, she's lost some junk in the trunk. It's the kind of stuff you want from your president. Excellente political commentary. Abdallah El Loco Bukaram may have ruined the economy of Ecuador, but at least he gave the world the gift of his musical talents and gyrating pelvis, which is really what you're... Let me look at that. How do you lose an election when you can pull that off? Beautiful voice. And that's why Abdallah Bukaram is our honorary... Dictator of the Week. Triple E, seven two seven E C K. Hello and uh, and welcome uh, to Patton Stew. Uh, this is kind of fun. Uh, ten Latin phrases that people pretend to understand, but of course they don't because we're all dummies. Uh, like, for instance, caveat emptor. What does that mean? Let the buyer beware. No, that's not what I mean. Well, before money-back guarantees and 20-year warranties, caveat emptor was indispensable advice for the consumer. These days, though, it'd be more fitting to have it tattooed on the foreheads of used car salesmen, infomercial actors, and prostitutes. For extra credit points, remember that caveat often makes solo appearances, cocktail parties, as a fancy term for a warning or a caution. And caveat lector means let the reader beware. So it actually does mean let the buyer beware. Kind of, yes. It does. So Seems. I guess you do. I guess you I think did get it, it right. Yes, I okay. guess you, I, I you kind of did. <laughs> Thank you for that. Caveat leech means uh, uh, Jeffy. Persona and caveat lech also means uh, Jeffy. Persona non grata. Jeffy. That also, also means, means Jeffy. Jeffy. Uh, an unacceptable person. <laughs> uh, that one, I, I, feel like, I feel like so far both of these I would know. Yeah, I would too. Um, I feel like when you say caveat emptor, you always follow it with let the buyer beware. It's like one of those phrases you use yes. to look smart and right. then you immediately define right after so you didn't need to say the first thing. Mm -hmm. It's like you ever, that happens a lot with uh, people who speak um, uh, culturally. Like, you know, uh, a, 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 Jew, a Jewish person will say something like, uh, we call this, you know, mashugana, which, or, and then they just explain what it is. It's like you didn't need mm -hmm. to say the mashugana part. <laughs> I notice that yeah, all right. the time. Like Glenn will bring yeah. the, you know, we've had dinner with, you know, uh, these great people. But like, you know, we'll come in. They'll be like a like a, a rabbi we had dinner with recently, and he did that a lot. I noticed. It's like it's like I say. Uh, it's like it's like uh, all of us Swedish people say IKEA or furniture store. <laughs> well, why did you tell me? You don't need to tell me the, the Swedish IKEA. You just 
All right. Sorry. No. Oh, did you notice that? Exactly right. I have no. noticed that. Yes. Have How you about seen this? Habeas? Yeah. You read about this? Habeas corpus? You know what that is? Habeas corpus? Yes, I would know what that is. Uh, I think everybody does. You have the body. That is not what I would have said. No? That's what the, the definition is. You have you the have body. You have the body. Yeah. Uh, in a nutshell, is it's what separates us from savages. It's the legal principle that guarantees an inmate the right to appear before a judge in court so it can determine whether or not that person is being lawfully imprisoned. It's also one of the cornerstones of the American and British legal systems. Without it, tyrannical and unjust imprisonments uh, would be possible. Yeah. So. Uh, code, code, what is it? I don't even know this one. This one I don't pretend to know, nor do I know. Okay. Cogito ergo sum? Cogito ergo sum. I think, think therefore, therefore I, I am. am. See, we're both reading the same thing. Um, uh, when all those spirited mental wrestling matches you have about existentialism start growing old, oh, you can always put an end to the debate with cogito ergo sum. Uh, so I have know. said it in English. I have never used the Latin phrase. I think, um, therefore, I am. Yeah, I've never used it. I am either. a huge Descartes fan, however, mm -hmm. and I use all of his expressions. Mm -hmm. From cogito ergo sum to stick it up your rectal cavity. I used both those. <laughs> both of those. Um, uh, and there's a few others there that he hook. was famous for. Butthook. Mm -hmm, that's another one. Uh, okay. <laughs> butt sponge. That's <laughs> yep, another that's one. one. E pluribus unum, of course, is one you, you probably do know. Out of many, one. Mm -hmm. uh, how about quid pro quo? You know, we know that one as well. We use yep, that in politics for that. all the time. Yep. This for that. Ad that hominem. means if you give, me, you give me something, I'll give you something for that. Mm -hmm. Like you... you uh, I mean... Rand Paul, perfect example of this. I'm going to support uh, Mitch McConnell for his re-election campaign. Mm -hmm. He's going to support my bid to be able to run for Senate and the president at the same time. Mm -hmm. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Right there. Ad hominem. Uh, that one is used. Uh, it, well, I will say that one's used as an, that people say, and, not, and that's an ad hominem attack. Yeah. So it, it actually means to attack the man, so you don't really need It's like kind of saying, like, to attack the man attack. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. Mm -hmm. uh, how about ad majorum uh, de gloriam? All for the greater glory of God. How many times have you heard me say that when I come in in the morning? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I say ad majorum de gloriam, Stu. I was going to mention to you, my cracker, that that's a little <laughs> over the top. Were you? you say it so often. Really? Yeah, it's it like, I get much. it. You know the Latin phrase for all the greater glory of God. I get it. Sometimes I'll shorten it just to AMDG. Uh, you know, like a TGIF, <laughs> like along the same lines. Really? Yeah. Hey, I went to that yeah. restaurant. There actually is an AMGD uh, restaurant. It's, it's really good fries. Yeah, really good fries. Use, uh, they use uh, peanut oil. Every day is for the glory of God restaurant. Yeah. Um, as they say yep. at the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about uh, Memento Mori? Uh, you oh, remember man. Memento Mori. You, the, will, of you course, will, you remember will you will die. Uh, I think um, Indigo said that in uh, Princess Bride. <laughs> Did he? There will be blood tonight. That's uh, similar. Not <laughs> similar. <laughs> somewhat. Not similar. Somewhat, I mean, different in, the, in its own special way, but the same at the same time. Mm -hmm. All rolled up into one. Different and yet exactly the same, only a little bit different. And there's a Latin phrase for that, too. Which is? I don't know. <laughs> it just Latin's a language, so it sui, would be able to handle that. Sui generis. Oh, a huge one of that. Sui generis. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, which, of course, unique and unable to classify. It's interesting that a lot of the, the phrases that, that we are supposed to pretend to understand, I've never <laughs> no, heard. I've never heard. Um, so that's a problem. I've never heard sui generis, mm. uh, unique and unable to classify. I've never heard memento mori. I I may have I've heard ad majorum de gloriam, but not much. I mean, you hear ad hominem all the time. Yeah. Quit pro- the rest of these I've heard, but yeah. It's these last three I'm pretty much not that familiar with. Uh, and you'll see here, let me give you another example of uh, things that are uh, not exactly familiar. This is a video from YouTube, this, uh, this channel called the Fine Brothers, uh, who have done this before. They show old technology to kids it's that have fun. absolutely no idea what they're even seeing uh, because of how, how fast this stuff moves. We talked about this uh, a lot in the, the radio. First one? Didn't that. we play one of these? It's a computer, wasn't it? An old, was old it a computer? computer? And they, didn't know, they had no idea what it was. They had no was. idea what it was. Uh, here they are dealing with the shock of old school cameras. So you actually haven't taken a picture yet. Oh. I just wasted my selfie time. There is something else that you need to do. Is it like a whole nother piece? Smash it into pieces and buy a new one? I don't know, actually. I've never I've never used a camera like this. A battery. A plug. A tape. A little card thing. There's no Photo fluid in this thing. Photo fluid. <gasps> a real film. <laughs> I've always wanted to see film. It's like a battery. Now we have to find out what I'm supposed to do with this. Okay, so how do you load that into the camera? Here, let's try and find an opening. Why did things have to be so hard back then? Okay, so where's the picture? How do I see the picture though? How do I look at my picture? You can't. What's the point of taking it? So what's the point? Kind of useless then. Why do you have a camera then? How do you people get pictures off of this thing? So it used to be that you'd take pictures on your camera and then you'd have no idea how they turned out until you brought it to a store. Oh, come on. You're not making me walk to a store now, are you? Then you'd have to wait at least an hour for them to develop the film. What would you do while waiting? (laughs) I don't know how it has arrived. Then you would finally be given your pictures physically, not on a computer or on a phone, actual photographs that you could then look through. That's not cool. That's messed up. You don't have to wait an hour just to see a picture. Wow. <gasps> it really shows you how, how much the world has changed in such a short time. Yeah. That is amazing. I mean, when he, when he says you'd have to wait an hour, I mean, that was the fast, like, that yeah. Remember, we just did the... Uh, obviously, Sometimes it was days. Yeah. Remember Robin Williams just passing away. One of his movies, which was in the 90s, was one-hour photo. Oh, yeah. It was notable still to point out that you had photo uh, de- development within an hour. You remember the photo mats that would be out in, like, the, the yep. parking lots of stores? Like, those little, like, booths? Yep. Um, and Kind of gone. There. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of gone. Really gone. I mean, it, it gets to the point now, when you want to take unbelievable photo, photographs, um, there's a point to have a camera. Like we, we, for big events, we have a camera that's a nice camera. And, you know, it, it, it takes really high-quality photos. But it's like for 95% of camera usage, your phone's fine. Yeah, it's, it is. It's fine. Uh, it really is. It's, and you then, don't need any more. And then you don't have shoeboxes full of old, old photographs. You're just on your phone. You can look at them whenever, whenever you want. Yeah, I'm in the middle of digitizing all my old photos. Are you? Yeah, like I, I got a Groupon. I'm sa- I sent them all in. You know, God only knows if I'll ever get them back. I just sent in a thousand. What happens when the EMP hits and they're all gone? Then what? Well, I still have the photos, but they, oh, you're they're not also digitized. Okay. Soon, boys. Soon, boys.